there it goes again that that royalty free music that just is becoming the soundtrack to my life that jams a bop and we're not going to tell everybody that we did it twice because i didn't hit the big red record button because seth's not here and we don't know what we're doing no we're, we're flying by the seam of our pants here uh because uh breaking news brand new segment a spinoff of the Balluminati podcast has begun. Pew, 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 pew. Yes, friends, we have a new segment here uh, presented by the Daily Stampede in our new year, new format. Uh, we have a, a new show for everyone this uh, this week, a new weekly show hosted by myself and uh, and Anthony Vito here on the other I side. Yeah, let's do our own show. I just this is right. way better than writing a thousand words of it. So to be honest, seriously. This, this is a passion project for both uh, Vito and myself. Uh, as you can affectionately see, it's called the USF Athletics Roundup. Normally, uh, under, under normal circumstances, Vito and I have to write a lot of words to recap what happens with USF Olympic sports. And so now, in a new format coming to you live every week, we'll be talking anything and everything related to USF Olympic sports. Putting those uh, CAXA characters into the limelight, making sure they get their time in the spotlight, and uh, maybe cracking a few jokes along the way. And maybe a few frosty beverages. Ooh. I won't be, I won't be joining you tonight. I have no alcohol in my fridge aside from PBR hard coffees. So, <laughs> <laughs> what a drink. Those are, those are special occasions. Those are, you know, how some people have like a, a fancy, uh, like bottle of wine that they're going to crack open for like fancy occasions. Mine's a, PBR hard coffees. Uh, unbelievable. That's, I mean, everyone's got to have their niche. Hard coffees and um, high noons. There you go. But yes, uh, so uh, every week, you know, just we'll be discussing anything and everything having to do with those uh, USF Olympic sports. Primarily, we're going to be looking to recap the previous week's sports. Uh, for those that aren't in tune to the athletics calendars, a lot of stuff happens between usually Thursdays going to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes leading into a Monday as well. So we want to make sure we put uh, those student athletes in the spotlight, do a recap of the previous week, you know, discuss what happens, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Then we'll even uh, look ahead, see what's going on around the conference. Uh, there's a lot of changes that have happened this past year for the conference that we will uh, we'll talk about here soon. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the spring of rings can continue for USF uh, because, boy, do we need it. With uh, with how football season did so, mm -hmm. in about thirty days, the bat sports kick off, and once baseball and softball goes, we're full on in track and field season. Both men's and women's tennis, men's and women's golf, it really kicks off to a very busy spring. So we figured this is a lot easier than writing. Um, not sure anyone was reading those, so it's really nice to be able to talk about these sports. We can talk about some of the more successful sports on campus, and uh, we'll still dedicate football recruiting. Uh, men's men's and women's basketball to the uh, Balluminati podcast that we'll still record on Tuesdays, but um, especially for basketball, we'll still touch on those up until those seasons end. So yeah, right. Yeah, it should be fun though. Um, but we do want to kick it off by recapping from a, a, a little bit ago uh, the fall sports, and we'll start with the good, uh, well the good sports, I should say, uh, the the kickball sports, the 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 football, the soccer. Men's and women's soccer both had um, pretty all right seasons to uh, to some respects. The women's team in particular had what we would probably consider to be a down year under uh, Coach Denise. Uh, they went eight and nine. Um, 
not really too many out of conference uh, wins, which is uh, rare under her jurisdiction. Um, they lost to Florida Atlantic. They lost to Florida. They lost to Georgia. They beat Miami, which was a, a, a sizable win at times, but there was just a lot of lack of consistency uh, for Denise's squad. And, and you can kind of see the, the consequences of, of, you know, some star athletes graduating the last couple of years uh, and not necessarily having a, a ready-made, um, you know, striker ready to go right after a, a few all-time leaders leave the program. So overall, um, they went uh, eight, nine, like I said, uh, they went five and three in the conference though, which qualified them to go to the postseason, uh, where they had a rough one, Vito. Uh, I won't, I won't, I won't sugarcoat it. We were pretty excited about it. And then they got just completely annihilated by the number one seed. Um, five to nothing SMU. <laughs> oh no, that wasn't the one seed. That was the six seed, right? SMU yes. was the one seed in the men's, the women's, they were the six seed. They and, were the uh, six seed. <laughs> they put up a bagel and lost uh five to nothing, which was very, very tough to see. Right. It, uh, and it, the shameful thing was it was within stretch for a little bit. Uh, it was two nothing at one point, and both the goals that SMU scored were, were just world class. Like they weren't like, like not to say that Sydney Martinez, uh, USF starting goalkeeper, isn't uh, a bad goalkeeper by any stretch. These were really good goals that they had scored, and USF was making a charge and and trying their damnedest to try to bring something to the back of the net. And uh, with about two minutes to go until halftime. And again, for those who aren't too initiated on, on college soccer, um, it's a countdown clock. And so there's no extra time. It is 45 minute first half, 45 minute second half, no extra time given whatsoever. And with about two minutes to go, uh, SMU, we USF had a, had a free kick, bounced out, they were had everyone pushed up and SMU striker took the uh took the ball, dribbled it 90 yards, and just left Sydney Martinez one-on-one. And you know, with about 10 seconds to go to the half, they scored and made it three-nothing. And you could kind of tell it, it really deflated the team at halftime. Um, in fact, to the point where Denise pulled Sydney in the second half and let the backup uh goalie get some playing time. So uh Overall, not a great season by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, th- there's there's still a lot to um, really like about what Denise has built with USF's women's soccer program. Uh, they'll be back. There, there's really no worry about it. It's just they had a down year after losing some of the best players of their program's history. Lo and behold, yep. that's going to happen. It's hard um, to build back up, and uh, I mean, Sydney Martinez, uh, very well decorated here at USF. Couple couple conference championships. Um, uh, for a while there, she was completely undefeated her sophomore and junior year. So it's just, it's it's just tough when you lose so much talent. You can only reload so much. But uh, the right coach is in that program, and uh, she's st- she's so that she wants to be here. So that's a good thing looking towards the future. So we're hoping for a rebound next season. Right, and and one of those star pieces that we'll probably hear a lot of for the next couple of years is Kiara Hahn. Uh, she was our uh, I believe true freshman or no? Is she true freshman? I should have had this up. Oh no! I think I right. had it up. I'm pretty sure she was a true freshman because I don't. I do not remember her name at all throughout the the year before. Um, 
let me i'm gonna double check i'm doing this live no she's a sophomore um true sophomore yeah okay 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 true sophomore um she she came out of the scene this past year and really took off and was actually um united soccer all midfield or all conference mid or excuse me all region midfielder um which is a pretty high distinct honor they they divide these things up by region they don't do just an all american team necessarily um so for her to be recognized she was all conference all region um, she's going to be uh, a gal that we will hear a lot of uh, in the future, um, as well as Vivian Bissett. Um, she has also uh, kind of came into the scene a little bit more. She started quite a bit this past season, and she has been consistent as a defender for USF. And I think she was on the the weekly honor roll or the uh, player of the week honors quite a bit this past year. So mm-hmm. two gals you'll uh, you'll hear a lot of uh, coming in the future. And Denise is reloading. She'll women's soccer really fine don't worry about them mm-hmm. but uh Vito, let's so, talk about uh, men's soccer let's talk about men's soccer so last year they went six seven and two and missed out on uh the conference championship or tournament altogether uh we were talking about Buttehorn, what was going to happen this season uh they started out the year um a little a, a bit of, of a of a of a rough stretch and then they really kicked it in during conference play now something interesting in conference play for men's soccer i know we're always thinking about what the new aac is going to look like in football but uh steeg we actually had some new conference mates this season in men's soccer including um charlotte and fiu who are two very good uh men's men's programs uh we also had fau and no no fau I'm going to look that up while you're doing that as well. Yeah. So there were three top 25 teams that played in this conference um, this season, SMU, Charlotte, and Tulsa. And uh, so USF went 9-7-4, and 5-1-3 in conference uh, and with a really great 6-2-2 and record at home. So uh, they were able to improve and go to the conference uh, tournament this season, and they made it all the way to the final where they lost to FIU, was the one seed, 2 to nothing. But along the way, they beat Charlotte and they beat SMU which were two very, very good programs in addition to beating Tulsa in the regular season. Um, uh, for a while there, they had uh, three straight wins going into the tournament, and then they were up to five before losing to FIU there in the final uh, in Miami. Uh, they were able to get to the to the tournament, which is their sec- 22nd in program history, where they beat Hofstra 4-2, to two, and then they lost to the number one national seed, Kentucky, 4 to nothing. But again, when you play Kentucky... Um, when you play the number, the number one seed, uh, it's it's going to happen. Uh, it's just it's a tough place to go play. It's a tough place. And it's again you you just pull a really hard hand when it comes to your conference. Uh, your, I'm sorry, your NCAA tournament seeding, which just generally it tends to be a theme around here. Uh, they Death, did the taxes and USF athletics being yep. horribly seeded. <laughs> Yep, uh, USF Wizard is correct. They beat Charlotte in the regular season 2-1, uh, and then they also beat them in the AAC first round. So um, not a, really not a bad showing. They had a pretty decent uh, a decent season. And at the end of the year, uh, Sal Mazzaferro, uh, defend, uh, defender, got drafted in the third round by Austin FC in the MLS Super Draft. And uh, he is my player of the year. He played... He, he played in every game and logged 1,704 minutes out of a possible 1,710. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. <laughs> they, they took him out like with like one minute left before that, before the end of the game, like every time, just, mm-hmm. just a waste time. And uh, 
you know, give him at least a little bit of a break. That is the true Iron Man right there. But uh, they had four shutouts this year, uh, so he definitely assisted in that. Uh, so going into next year, there were four transfers that were announced over the past couple days. Uh, Max Wilkins is a forward from Georgia State. Cam Peel, a goalkeeper from Elon. Uh, Mikael Keese, a center back from Inner Miami MLS Next, which I had no idea what it was until Steve told me during our pre-show notes. So, uh, Steve, take it away. What is Inter Miami MLS Next? Yes. So, um, for those who follow basketball, it'll it's it's very similar to what the AAU circuit is. Uh, so, a lot of these kids they they obviously attend high school, um, but they also attend academies and, and club sports and everything like that. And because the the you know high school circuit and the the high school um, men's soccer is kind of eh at times uh there's a lot of these clubs that just basically pull these kids into um developmental academies and just let them flourish there and and a lot of these are sponsored by mls and usl and nwsl clubs as well and so you'll hear a lot of them in there like inter miami next or like jacksonville's like the jacksonville battery and it's sponsored by the jacksonville armada which is our usl team so you'll see a lot of those kids kind of come through um Tampa has, uh, I think, three or four in the region as well. So you'll you'll see those names pop up a lot of like the the Tampa Bay, you know, fusion or whatever it is. Um, but yes, basically like David Beckham's uh, baby squad, which Romero's uh, that situation's hilarious. And if we have time at the end, we'll we'll, we'll dabble in Inter Miami talk for a second of what happened there. Um, but yeah, so uh, for mid soccer, you know, that's. You'll you'll also see it on the women's side too, um, but it, it's basically they're just AAU teams, AAU clubs. Um, they're better ways for these kids to get a national footprint as well, because um, they'll compete with Charlotte and New York and South Carolina and wherever else they're going to go to. It's, it's a nice little program, so it's good that uh, we got him. And then speaking of, you mentioned Jacksonville. We got Tyler Richardson from uh, the center midfielder from JFC MLS next Duval. 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 Um, uh, Stieg and I are long life inter Miami fans. So we uh, definitely are interested in the former. So, yeah, th- those are the transfers that got brought in uh, during this week. So um, I didn't actually see. Do they have like some spring ball happening? Let's uh, check that out in the, in the good old show notes. I don't think they have any. Spring- I, they have, yeah, I, don't, I don't see anything scheduled. There is going to be, I believe there's going to be a shift in the scheduling for uh, collegiate soccer. They're going to basically do a, a, a split season of uh, fall and spring, uh, which fun. is more akin to, to what happens in the high school and AAU circuits anyways, um, featuring Vito's cat. Uh, so I, they, they did have <laughs> the cats always in. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they'll uh, they'll they'll do like a spring roster and a spring um, schedule as well. It's not going to be as uh, competitive. It's probably going to be a lot of just you know scrum matches and mm-hmm. quick things here and there. I don't think there's going to be actually any conference play in the spring. Um, but I, I'd have to go double check what the NCA officially ruled on that. But uh, good anyways because uh, a nine month break for soccer is stupid, uh, especially because it's a very competitive sport and a lot of these off-season trainings mostly require these scrimmages anyways. So uh good thing there uh for our, our men's and women's team. Yeah, exactly. Um uh, I double checked. Um yes, they did play FAU and UAB as well. 
uh, and tied both those matches and tied FIU in the regular season. Interesting way. But um, I remember that came up and we were like, oh, are these all conference games? Um, So I'm interested to hear more about how that happened, why men's soccer ended up having new AAC and how the new American's going to be. Because based on these programs, even though it doesn't seem like they are, they are very, very, very good. So men's soccer will be a very fun conference going forward. And and that and that just will help in recruiting here at USF as well. Um, right. Who doesn't love Sunsets at Corbett? One of my favorite Sunsets at Corbett are the, the, the best. But yeah, they, they did initiate the new uh, AAC members uh, into the men's soccer programs. Um, so again, very strange. Don't know why they did it a year early. There was kind of not really a rhyme or reason to it. Um, but I think it was just kind of like a, a soft introduction for those programs. And of course... FIU, who Florida International University is going to bring in incredible international students who are really good at soccer. And lo and behold, they are, are going to run shit in this conference for a while. Um, yeah, they're they're really good at men's soccer. That This is going to be a tough conference for, uh, for Bob to compete in in the years coming. I do choose to be optimistic and think that uh, this rise from year over to year, we're going to continue this little trend and become the premier. Here's the other cat become the premier program in the new American conference. I just choose to be optimistic. (laughs) Are we all, are we all just naively optimistic at the end of the day? Okay. Wasn't that Greg Allman who said that to you? Yeah. (laughs) God, that's still my header. That's still the funniest thing. Any, any, any professional media member has ever said to me. Too hilarious. Um, but uh, Vito, let's talk about the bad. Which We're bad? Talk about volleyball. Bad. Oh, yeah, okay. we'll, we'll talk yeah. about volleyball and then we'll get. To... So uh, volleyball uh, is under year three under uh, Coach Jolene, Coach Jolene, Jolene Shepherdson. Um, they had a improved year, but not a very good year. Uh, again, under volleyball. Um, we will definitely have Colin on the show at some point to do his volleyball spiel because he could go for 45 minutes about the the problems that have arose uh, for women's volleyball. And this year they showed improvement. Um, last year they were kind of just absolutely dead in the water from the get-go, but women's uh, they, they had good showings uh, for a few games for the uh, non-conference slate. Um, in fact, they actually won. Let me count that. They won they four went, conference games this year. Last year, they only won the one. So right. incremental so, improvement. Incremental. I believe they won more out of conference games than they lost, um, which is cool. Um, they didn't, I mean, they didn't beat anyone of note uh, because they schedule like the some pretty bad teams, but in years past, they would lose to those teams. So that's always an improvement. Um, but they had... Uh, yeah, they they really really struggled again this year. Uh, they have good talent um, across the board, and and they're young, but they're just still just completely struggling to just put any sort of just consistency together. And I I, I we literally celebrated it like it was a Super Bowl. They won two conference games in a row, which I had to really dig to find when that happened last. I think it was like seven or eight years ago. It was the last time they won two conference games in a row. They have been very downtrodden. And they didn't only win that first conference game they won at Tulsa. They won three sets to none, which was shocking. 
Then they came back, uh, did a comeback victory to win against Memphis the next week and then dropped their next six sets against SMU and then UCF, of course, who is a perennial power. So losing UCF and then Houston, who was the um, the top of the conference this year, will, I don't want to say help because, you know, you, you take you take away really good talent. It's hard to get talent in, but um, we, we're going to see what can happen next year. But yeah, the, there's been some good talent that comes in. It's just, um, that's why I want to get Colin in on here to talk volleyball because sometimes you have some really good pieces and they play really, really well. And it's just, the ball goes where it goes and you can't, you can't figure it out. And that's just a very unfortunate thing that, you know, can happen. And um, I'd love for him to talk about, Hey, this is what we can look, what we can look for in the future. Here's what recruiting looks like. And um, here's how we can uh, bring volleyball into the new AEC. Right. And uh, right now, uh, CC, I believe CC Clawson has another year. CC Clawson has been basically the workhorse for USF uh, volleyball for the last couple of years. Um, she is a by registration senior, but I believe she's going to have another year because of the COVID stuff and all that shit that happened. Um, but she's basically been the workhorse. She leads the team in a lot of the major statistics in volleyball. Um, but they did get a, a, a nice piece of a, of a bonus um, to call out, which is uh, Michaela Washington. Uh, for those that were at the IPF ceremony, uh, she was the one that gave a speech on behalf of the student athletics uh, council. Uh, she has been just an absolute gem on and off the court. Um, and so for her to come up a little bit more and, and be more of a vocal face uh, for volleyball, I think is going to be welcomed addition as well. Um, but yeah, they, they've got a lot of issues to work through, but unlike football, I think you can kind of give coach Joe at least another year because she did inherit this team that was very, very bad uh, right during COVID. So her and Jeff Scott basically took over like a two week different period. Um, and so for both of them, they need time to kind of get the players in, especially because you are one year behind already with the COVID stuff and all of that. So um, we'll see, but I don't want to, you know, slander anyone or anything on this show. We're going to try to stay as naively optimistic as possible, but I will say that coach Joe's seat is a little bit hotter than normal because let's face it, you know, we hadn't won a set against UCF in like 12 years. Um, and we hadn't won a set in a while and, four and 14 in the conference in year three isn't very good. And we've seen some progress, but we need to see a lot of progress going forward. Um, you know, hopefully a, a weaker American athletic conference might pay some dividends uh, to buy some time there. And uh, Vito, I think it's time to address the ugly, the very ugly, ugly, um, ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, well, you look up the uh, new AAC schools uh, for volleyball. Um, let's let's talk about the absolute just travesty that is cross country. Um, we obviously don't shine that much light on this program for a reason. It is by far and away, I think USF's worst sport, and it's very strange to to think of this because it's coached by the same gentleman who is leading around one of the biggest turnarounds in USF athletics. But for some godforsaken reason, they're just really, we're just really bad at cross country. And it's in recruit faster people. You know, it, it seems like a, just a no brainer. 
but for some odd reason, there, there's some sort of curse within USF's cross country program. And, and despite their best efforts, it, it just doesn't seem like they're able to, to mend fences and, and get things going in the right direction. Um, they did have some, and I'm saying some very loosely, they had some improvements this year. Um, and again, I'm, I'm half joking, but I'm half serious. They had a few events that they didn't come in dead last. Um, which we just always consider to be a victory when they're not last. Uh, the running joke within the Daily Stampede has been hashtag not last. Um, he said running joke because we're talking about running sports. Yes, I, I did that on purpose. Um, but they they came in dead last in, in the conference tournament, championship, however you want to call it. Men's came in ninth out of nine. Uh, women's came in 11th out of 11th. Again, for like the fourth straight year. Um, I, I really have no idea what goes in or what goes out on that program. Um, I know there is crossover between the track and field athletes and the cross country athletes. So for, you know, the long distance runners that USF has for their uh, track team, uh, some of them do compete on cross country, but in the, you will never fire coach Jenkins for, you know, not having a competent cross country program, but it does get a little frustrating that like this team is just perennially bad. And for the war on I four, for whatever God forsaken reason, they made the women's conference championship like six points. And it's usually like the first event that happens for, um, you know, the, uh, or it's, it's either the first or it's second, uh, to go with alongside volleyball. And so USF is immediately in like a nine, nothing hole because we'll never beat UCF in women's volleyball and UCF is like 10th in, in women's cross country. We're 11th. And so it's, it's you know, we're on I four stupid, points. but <laughs> that's six points and they don't have men. So it didn't matter in the men's side. Right. It, it's just, it's incredible. I, I don't know what happens there. Um, wizard there could be there there's a lot of focus on track and field competing because track and field nationally is is a better more well more well-rounded sport uh that's tracked no pun intended um like the ncaa regionals and nationals and everything like that it's more of a, a testament to like the you know the the strength of of a of a program so yeah, what I will yeah. add is it's Coach Jenkins on the like the indoor and outdoor sports part. That's not the running ones or not the long distance running ones has created a very, very competitive program. Now, uh, what they beat Houston last year in the four by 400 men's, which is not has not happened. Houston's a perennial national title contender. They sent was it four um, athletes to the national championships in Eugene, Oregon. They, mm-hmm. they, 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 pre- they performed a, extremely well. And, um, uh, uh, competitions like the, the high jump, the 400 meter hurdles, the four by 400 and both men's and women's. So for whatever reason, I don't know why it's hard to run really long. I mean, I know why I can't run really far, very fast. Um, but I, it's, it's hard at, that seems to be the one thing, but like, yeah, coach Jenkins has really, completely flipped that program around and the short time he has, at least in the spring. So we hope to really talk about what they do in the indoor and outdoor championships and their competitions coming up here in the coming weeks. But yeah, right. the long distance running is where 
we're talking is is for whatever reason it's just not it's not there and i was you know it's it's tough it's a hard it's hard to do it's hard sport but program in florida i'm not i'm not i'm not certain what the uh um what the situation is there but it yeah it's tough to always see them at the bottom of the conference um, I, I do have a, a small request for you, Vito. If you can pull up a uh, athlete that I'm about to send you, um, this guy is going to become my new favorite um, USF athlete of all time. Um, is it new or? Yeah. Uh, no, he's 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 a pole vaulter on our uh, men's team. Um, but yeah, they. Uh, uh, Romaine Beckford. No, Romaine is a high jump. High jump, um, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about more on track and field, you know, when those uh, seasons get a little closer. Um, but uh, Hector's question, um, Hector asked serious question. Is it possible to cut some sports to try and build others with proper resources? Yes. And no, it is possible. They can do it. I don't think that they're going to, um, Namely, there's a lot of Title IX implications that happen uh, in those types of sports and legalities and, and all that stuff. So they wouldn't, you know, it, it would be very simple for them just to cut both because it's the same amount of scholarships and it's the same amount of, um, you know, coaching staff and everything. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to do that because of Title IX purposes of scholarship distributions. Uh, and if they do, they would probably have to add another sport for both men's and women's to continue the funding, continue uh, how things are done. It, it's more complicated. And and so when you hear of like a, a school choosing to cut like a football program or something like that, it is a, a big undertaking to do like a football program. It is a big undertaking to do like a cross country program or a, you know, a, a rowing program or something like that. It, it usually has to do with, having to rip up the floorboards and, and really cut costs and USF is not at, at the Liberty to cut costs on something just because they're bad at it. Um, as much as we want to do that sometimes. <laughs> mm. So but, yeah, yeah, a lot of those sports are, are there, but as long as they're, they're attempting to are competing to an extent, then um, you, you kind of kind of have to keep them going, but you know, you know, adding programs like beach volleyball and, uh, women's across is going to be huge, especially for um, the, the women's side. Ah, that's it's all part of the fun. Um, we can't pull them up, uh, but uh, Kobe David, uh, for those that are on TikTok, looks like the dude from Canic Kirkland. Um, just incredible flow, incredible mustache. Uh, he's Paul Volter, so I can only imagine that his flow is just going to be just very luscious in the wind. <laughs> um, Boy, we should bring a student athlete on this show at some point uh, just to show the love. All right. Uh, let's see. What I think that's all of our, uh, our fall sports here. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good on the fall recap. Yeah, I think we hit everything. Um, yeah, they got to they gotta figure some stuff out there, uh, but we'll be fine going forward. To go back to... Um this question about how do the new AAC schools stack up? Uh, we haven't done any in-depth look, but I can, I can see that uh, Rice was second in the conference, 27 and four overall, 13 to one in conference, uh, North Texas, 16, 15, nine and five UAB right behind them, seven, and seven in conference, 12 and 15 overall Charlotte, five and nine, just under them, 11 and 16 overall and Florida Atlantic second to last sound familiar. 
three of uh, 13 and 13 overall three and 11. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll actually take a look and do, do a little more research on those programs, see how they stacked up out of conference. Um, but it looks like rice will actually be a pretty good, uh, uh, a pretty good volleyball program. Rice is good at everything except for football. Uh, rice and USF are going to be best buddies. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes and to this hey, stuff. hey, hey, Rice looked good football this season, and Houston needed a last minute um, drive to to beat them. And then, of course, Rice won a national championship and uh, or a college world series in baseball. So that'll be fun to have them uh, mm-hmm. and the baseball circuit. Right. So we'll uh, we'll do a brief little uh, talk about the uh, men's and women's basketball team here, real quick. Um, we do we will be talking about them more in depth at times on the Illuminati podcast uh, on your traditional programming. Um, but we hadn't done that in the last couple of weeks because we've been so inundated with, uh, news because, you know, football coaching searches typically dominate the news cycle and Cruton uh, and Cruton. Um, so we'll, uh, men's basketball, uh, we'll start out with the, uh, the tougher pill to swallow is having a quite up and down year, uh, to say the least for, uh, year six under Brian Gregory. Uh, currently sitting at seven and ten overall, and a very, very painful zero and four in the conference. Um, their four losses are uh, very painful to to recap because late second half leads that just diminish and deteriorate from their fingertips um, are are always not fun to discuss. Um, they did have a five game win streak at one point. Uh, beating the likes of uh, Charleston Southern, Northern Iowa, Dartmouth, Hofstra, and New Jersey Institute of Technology, um, all of which USF was ranked higher than in the net ratings. Uh, net ratings, so no surprises there that they were able to amass that. But they, uh, yeah, they they've struggled to start the uh, conference play. Um, there's a lot of gelling issues. It's a lot of the same issues that we've seen in the past under men's basketball under coach Brian Gregory free throw shooting. continues to be a problem under, uh, under this, co- under our coaching staff, which th- seems like it transcends uh, <laughs> just the players. Uh, it seems like they could bring in a, a, a guy that has never missed a free throw in his life. And for some odd reason, he'll get up there at the Yingling center and, and clank, uh, you know, his first on two. So, it's cursed. It at this point, it has to be cursed in some direction. Um, Can I throw they, something uh, out real quick, just while you uh, get more into this? Yes, um, go ahead. I'm not sure how many watched the game versus Houston last night, which they transcended, went above their um, season best for free throw percentage and three point percentage. Tyler Harris at 31 points, even though it was still a loss in the same realm that the past four have been just say in the chat. Do you think that was a satisfying effort? Only losing by six to the number one team in the country on the road. Um, while we look, while we do that, Robert continue. Yes. <laughs> um, I can tell you if it was year two under Brian Gregory, I would feel okay with it, but it's, it's, it's unfortunately it's year six and it's, if they can continue this positive momentum going into the next game, um, which thankfully is not against the number one team in the country. Um, it is against the preseason team that was picked last and hasn't done as well, uh, East Carolina. If USF can have a good showing against East Carolina, win a conference game, um, which, by the way, I think is going to be USF's first conference win in men's 
basketball or football in quite a long time. Uh, I think I probably a calendar year. So, you know, a win at ECU probably puts you in pretty good favor uh, of, you know, saying, okay, maybe that was their turning point. Maybe they needed the tougher competition to really light it on fire. Tyler Harris, you know, when he's on, he is on it. And, you know, that you, you can't take him out of the game, you know, off of a cool hand, unfortunately. Um, but again, it, it's year six under Brian Gregory. We can talk about the unfortunate mess that he inherited and the issues that was inherited on that first team that he had. We could talk about the COVID and, and everything else that was going on, um, you know, with the Tom Harrion incident and the rebuild of the roster in year three after coming off the CBI championship, there was a lot of issues there. And, and, you know, there's probably a, a dedicated show I can do to talk about that. But at this point, it, it, it's, it's not a, it doesn't feel like it's a win. It's a, or it doesn't feel like an, if it feels like a win, uh, they would make a coaching change. And you might look at it in the next two weeks, I would assume. Um, you've got at ECU, you've got against Cincinnati at home, you've got against UCF, and then you've got at Temple uh, over the next two weeks. And, you know, you go over in those four, you you probably might need to start, you know, packing bags and making changes. Um, I, I know that the program is on the wit's end of almost every single fan. Uh, there's no good reason why USF is as bad as they are in men's basketball. It's it, it doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I will give credit to Brian Gregory. He did everything right this offseason. He addressed every single issue that the team last year had by bringing in the players that he did bring in. He recruits the hell out of high schoolers. Let me tell you, Ryan Conwell is, is going to be an absolute stud for USF, a true freshman that it, it was making plays against the number one Houston team, against some of the best players in the country. But for some odd reason, that, that game management just isn't there. It, it feels a lot like how that Jeff Scott situation was. Recruits the hell out of guys, but that game-to-game situation was just really struggling. So, you know, I, again, we won't disparage, but we're not going to we're not going to call for anyone's heads because I called for someone's head last year and it blew up in my face. But there are issues and they need to be resolved very quickly. And Brian Gregory needs to get above 500 in conference at some point in his career. It's a tough pill to swallow because they, they started the the opening of the year, a lot of new pieces that took a while to kind of get together. Then, yeah, they did that string against non-conference opponents, um, but they started to look good. And then in conference play, they look good to start. They play competitive. And then all of a sudden it's like the last three, four or five minutes. They can't, they can't buy a bucket and that kills them, especially a team that's not, you know, shooting particularly well with free throws. Now, last night was different. They shot really, really well. And then a flagrant one was like a six point swing. And that kind of turned the whole thing. And Houston, I hate, I mean, Houston is that they're just as good as ever advertised. The fact that they, that defense was able to, confuse them and make them miss buckets and frustrate them was very in, in, intriguing but it just feels like even with like football against uf it's like you 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 need to see the finish because then it, it, the, it even when they're playing really really well and they blow it they're not carrying that over to then finish the next one and at some point then you just have this giant you can't get the monkey off your back it's just 
like whatever's whatever's happening and they have some fun pieces Rus- russell chu is so fun to play or t- so so fun to watch play he is so charismatic i mean tyler harris is one of the best shooters i've seen in a very long time for usf and early on he wasn't making threes and now he is and he's shooting them from the logo it's incredible the, the memphis mm-hmm. game he was playing out of his mind and Keyshawn bryant's really fun to watch ryan conwell looks like he's going to be a great piece it's just fitting everything together Sarah Smith, like fitting everything together to make it work. But like, you're right. At some point it's like year six. What, what can you do? How can we make right. this work? So like, the ECU game is going to be big. They have a couple games in the next week. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening, but you, you got to use that Houston, uh, that, that Houston loss as um, ammunition for the future to go. Like we can compete with the number one team in the country. We only lost by six, to the number one team in the country on their court. We can go ahead and compete and beat anybody. So um, I'm interested to see what the uh, what the what the uh, the squad and what Brian Gregory can do uh, in the rest of the conference play. I mean, luckily they don't have to play Houston again <laughs> because I mean that's just a hard a hard program to play. But like I'm interested to see because once Houston leaves Cincinnati, I mean UCF is having a great year right here right now. It's going to be a tough basketball league, man. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Yeah. So I mean, you almost. I, I don't even know what you do because all of a sudden your 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 options become very thin in the league that you're in. That's going to be a one. A, that's probably going to be a one bid league, right? It, it can be a two bid league at times. Um, the 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 new programs that are coming in are are pretty damn competitive. Um, there, UAB is 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 on a hot streak right now uh, of, of consistency over the last couple of years. Uh, FAU is off to a historic start for their program. I think they're fifteen and one. That's correct. Um, FAU is doing really well. Right. Uh, Rice is is doing all right. Um, Charlotte's I think off to a pretty okay start as well. There, there's a lot of you're you're not going to replace the number one team in the country with what Houston has built. You're like you're not replacing that in the new American athletic conference, but it's still going to be a competitive conference. Um, you're still keeping a team like SMU. You're still keeping a team like Wichita state. Um, Temple might have to do a restart as well. Um, so if I'm USF, I would probably, you know, both USF and Temple are kind of at odds in right now. That's the old Mexican standoff of which team is going to make the move first. Um, I'm circling that January 25th day. Uh, if if Temple manages to be the reason why we fire both our men's basketball coach and our football coach, that would be quite a uh, a tip, uh, quite a feather in their cap at this point, <laughs> because I, I really think that that's going to be uh, the difference maker at this point is that game that that at Temple game on January 25th. Um, they are also at the very wit's end of their head coach. Um, and I think the loser is probably going to be uh, the one going home full time there. So we'll see what can happen there. And, you know, if if there is a coaching change that is made, uh, we will, of course, talk about it and address it and do a coaching hot board and do that all that here. But it hasn't happened yet. So we're not going to talk about it. And instead, we're going to ignore it and talk about our favorite team on campus. Vito's basketball, ladies and gentlemen, another win yesterday against Memphis, another hard fought win. And I don't have a picture of one because I don't have one, but they had really cool Los Toros hats that they gave away to, um, 
to uh, attendees of that game. I almost attended. They're really, really cool. I'm going to have to show a photo of what uh, Andy Taylor uh, had, but it's a really cool looking hat. Um, and I love when they do international night because, as we know, Jose Fernandez, uh, his squad, full of international uh, flavor, a lot of a lot of players from around the world. And it's really cool that they do this to, to, to show awareness to that and how good this team is. And um, it's it just, it, it's, it's excellent that the way this team can, I don't want to say start off slow. They're almost like the opposite of men's basketball, where especially in conference play, they've had the the, the last four, the first four conference games, they were within three or two of their opponents at the half. And then the, they have a monstrous third quarter. They figure it out and then they, they rush ahead. Uh, so uh, women's basketball is, I can't believe I actually lost the record. They're four and zero in conference. Where's the total record? 15 and four overall. And their four losses were all to top 25 teams at the time, um, including number three, Ohio state, who I believe is still undefeated. And they had them on the ropes and Ohio state took them to overtime. All their losses are on a neutral site. So they're completely uh, undefeated at home, which is huge. This team is really, really good. I know we say that every year with women's basketball, but this team is legitimately good. They have three of the top 40, uh, what? They have three top 40 scorers and Dulce, um, Thanka Mangiadu, Alana, uh, Alana uh, Chinecki, and Sammy Puisas all shooting above so 15 close points to the per game. Of that. <laughs> so close. We're going to get it. Oh, my goodness. I'll never it's forget when. Oh, dang. Is it not Mangiato? Okay, sorry. I remember when Elena Chinecki first played and it was Seth and I on a podcast and we <laughs> could, it was bad. It was real bad. Um, but uh, Dulcie has completely upped her game this year um, after Betty Menunga, um uh, graduated. Uh, so she's on the Ann Myers Drysdale National Player of the Year watch list. She's averaging a double double, 16.9 points per game and 11.9 rebounds per game. And she can take over in the post. And uh, I think Stieg mentioned this as a tweet early on, uh, earlier today, uh, retweeting that article about three top 40 scorers, the only team in the country to do it. Those three players can all beat you in different ways. So if they have to grind out a game down low, give it to Dulcie and she'll be able to do it. She'll be able to get offensive rebounds and do that. If you need to get someone who could drive to the hoop and also shoot mid-range, that's Elena's game. If you just need someone to be a sharpshooter from down, um, from beyond the arc, that's Sammy's game. And any of them can beat you. Um, so yesterday they, uh, they beat Memphis 58 to 45. Uh, it was 29, 26 at the half and Memphis was looking really good. Um, really, really tough defensive team. Um, then in the third quarter jumped out 18 to eight and it was off to the races at that point. Um, Wichita state over the weekend, same thing. Uh, it was 31 30 at the half USF was up and then the third quarter went on a 25 to six run. And a lot of that was from beyond the arc. Uh, Temple was their second conference game. Same thing, 33-30 advantage. In the third quarter, outscored Temple 26-16. And the big one against Tulane, they were actually down 29-28 at the half and then um, jumped out to 21-11 advantage in, in the third quarter. And Tulane, who's a very good team this this season, they were able to beat them. Um, this team, it's hard to find any real hard, real concrete weaknesses. Um, they're sh- shooting 35% from three-point line. 44% from the field, 73% free throw shooting, and they can beat you in a, a multitude of different ways. Um, they're really fun to watch. If you can get to a game, go out and support this program, go out and support this team. And I mean, I don't know what, um, 
halftime speech Jose is saying, but I want to hear it because I bet I bet it's going to make everybody run through a brick wall because that is those are all incredible third quarters that they have after essentially getting the best from their opponent in the first half. Um, I'm going to ask Jose to just send me like a halftime speech <laughs> so I can listen to it in the morning so I can get ready. Exactly. <laughs> like, throw I, I, that I, I, on. Yeah. Um, the roster is up and down really, really good. I mean, at the the fact that they they're out of conference is I think what they said second or third in the country. They've played a lot of good teams and all their losses have been fairly close. Uh, outside of the loss to let me pull it up, it was like uh, Villanova. Villanova, got, yeah. It was it was at the end of a, a tournament in Estero. Yeah, and so it I was. Think yeah. They, were tired. <laughs> they beat Georgia Tech. They lost to Michigan, which was their first loss of the season, sixty three fifty eight, number twenty two, and then lost to number twenty three Villanova, seventy two to fifty. But then after that, they beat Texas, and then they lose to number eight NC State, sixty five fifty seven, who's a perennial power. So uh, the 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 one that stung was Ohio State because they had them on the ropes. We were trying not to do the jinx, and we were trying not to talk about it, and then all of a sudden. They were up by like six with the last couple minutes. Ohio State comes back, sends it to overtime, and then uh, Colin was there, and they said that the uh, the refs decided to swallow the whistle at the end of the game there. So it was bad. They, they turned around, went to overtime again against number seventeen Arkansas, beat them sixty six sixty five. Another solid team. They go into the conference play. They are they are undefeated. Um, so I, it's just watching this team's play play. Uh, is incredible. Normally there's a game in there that you go like, I can't, how did they lose that one last year was what Texas San Antonio or not Texas San Antonio. Um, uh, it was like UT Rio Grant. Yeah. Something. Um, they're the Mavericks. That's all I know about. Yeah, them. Exactly. <laughs> Where that they, you know, they beat Stanford in the Bahamas and then that was the game that kind of pushed their season to the brink. But, uh, it, They've answered the challenge. They look really, really good this year. I plan to go in a lot more games, and I'm really excited for um, uh, Jose's ability to just keep reloading when players graduate. Right. And like he he has a plan. He knows where 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 to get his guys, and they just look really, really good. Mm-hmm. And and like we mentioned, they they reload like I've never seen a team reload before. And you can see where the depth pieces are and and who the future stars of the team are very quickly. Um, almost every single season, you're like you're so dumbfounded by, you know, the the post play of of Betty Manunga, and then all of a sudden, like Dulce comes into play, and you're like, oh, she's also really good. How are they playing both of them at the same time? And usually, that's that's USF's downfall at, at times in, in women's basketball is they'll have the talent, they'll have all the pieces, they'll have depth, and then for some odd reason, it just it it stops clicking at some at some point. But it doesn't feel like that's what this team is capable of this year it seems like they've all kind of accepted you know the roles there's a lot of young gals on the team as well i think there is uh i think six true freshmen on the team or no there's three true four true freshmen on the team and then uh like two redshirt freshmen that are on the team as well so there's a lot of young pieces that are very okay with you know standing behind and taking a few less minutes here and there but jose's subbing everyone in pretty consistently and still getting great output um mm-hmm. you know the the biggest one that Carl's, comes to mind is carla brita yep from um, Spain. she's she's incredible she's for a true freshman like she i, I she was one of the best players in, at the fiba um uefa women's basketball in europe um she's incredible she's she's as good as advertised and maria alvarez being healthy i think is a, is a great you know step in the right direction for the team 
Ariel Wilson's really coming in and, and, you know, getting some good minutes there. And the, the player that I thought was going to come in and be the next stud is, you know, still kind of waiting in the wings, Emma Johansson from Sweden. Um, I, watching her play when she was in Sweden, she could probably win the uh, female equivalent of the Wooden Award at some point. Um, she's really ultra talented and has a lot of finesse to her game, but yeah, she's, she's still waiting in the wings a little bit. Um, yes, Maria is still not completely a hundred percent healthy. She did come off of an ACL tear. So, you know, she's getting some good run, but they're definitely not going to push her. Um, I think she's logged, I think, uh, about 13 minutes a game. So about a quarter, uh, which I think is is pretty good for uh, coming off of an ACL tear, and they're really trying not to push her. Um, but she's also just kind of the, the heart and soul of the team as well. So I, being uh, on the bench and encouraging her teammates is, I think, also a comfortable spot for her. But I know she's itching to get back on the court and drain threes from the from the midcourt like she always does. Yeah, and I think, you know, you... As you try to ease people in, and you, I, I know a lot of other players are getting, are, are getting time in and out, but they definitely have their starting five that they want to use to, to pretty much work the grind. Um, but like Ariel Wilson and Dulce both came from Memphis, and Ariel Wilson's played a very good season this year. Um, she had four assists last night. Um, yeah, and Danielle Gonzalez is another. Uh, freshman that's been getting a lot of good uh, playing time as well. Right. Cause there, there's a few of these um, three of them come to mind that are coming off pretty bad injuries. Priscilla Williams, Caitlin McGee and Maria Alvarez are all coming off of pretty extensive injuries um, that kind of came into play in, in that Villanova game where they seemed like they ran out of gas because frankly they did uh, the third game of a, a tournament they weren't really itching to wanting to play that game apparently. So you could kind of see what happened when they ran out of tank on the gas and they were really pushing it because the game really didn't matter that much, especially when they were down really early um, as they were. And I, I think they, I think they made a business decision that game. Uh, and that's tough on those back-to-backs and those uh, turn or preseason tournaments when you're, you're, I, I was, we were actually kind of concerned when they had to turn around and play Arkansas after Ohio state. It's like, that's a tough that's a tough team to play as well. And then you just came off a heartbreak. What's going to happen. And, and, and they were able to to push forward and get the win. Um, I was mistaken. They have one loss on the road and that was to NC state. Every other loss was in a tournament on a, on a neutral site. So, I mean, this team looks really, really good. They play. Uh, I think they go back and play Tulane at home again. So uh, another, another quality opponent, they'll get Tulane at home. And then on uh, for this Saturday and then next Wednesday, they traveled to Houston uh, to play Houston, who last time I checked has is under 500, but is undefeated in conference, which is very interesting. And then they get UCF, who is having a down year currently uh, the following Sunday, January 22nd mm-hmm. at home. Good. Um. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um. Yeah, so they're the fun team to watch. Um, make it up to women's basketball game. They they deserve the support. They deserve the fanfare. They deserve all the fun. And boy, do they have some good fucking uniforms too. They they best uniforms on campus belong to women's basketball program. Um, but now we'll uh we'll switch gears. And I do want to mention uh this one before I forget. Um, I'm not pushing this one towards the end. Um. 
USF Cheer is competing at nationals again uh, this year. Uh, whether not whether your opinion on cheerleading is a sport or not doesn't matter to me. Fuck your opinion. It's a sport, and we're gonna count it. Back to back national champions. Big deal uh, for that program. Uh, they've built quite a dynasty led by Heath Rinkus. Um, but in all sincerity, uh, Spirit Squad doesn't get as much love as it, as it should um, because those boys and girls have to deal with sitting through crappy football games and crappy basket, men's basketball games and you know half-empty stadiums and everything like that, but they're always there. And, and you can see the hard work that they put into uh, the program and, and their performances and everything like that. Um, I promise if we are able to find a recording of the program that we will plug it on uh, the Daily Stampedes on the house account uh, because, again, they deserve it back-to-back uh, national champions. And I think co-ed um, is a big deal. Um, these are, I mean, again, national champions. You're, you're going up against the Bamas of the world. You're going up against the Cals, the Stanfords, you know, these big-time programs that are traditional and have all the fanfare and everything like that. And little old USF is is competing right there along with them. So, um, big positive thing that's happening there. Um, so yeah, they're competing, uh, tonight, tomorrow, and I think Saturday as well. I think it's actually the entire week and up until Sunday, there's different categories for co-ed, uh, for all girl. And I think there, there's different categories depending on the size of the school as well. So, um, you know, you don't get plussed out if you're a small UT San Loho or something like that. Uh, but they're, uh, they're good to uh, support. Um, we love our champion student athletes, just like our football team. Yeah, th- and those routines are are very are very difficult. The choreography, the the athleticism. It's I know a lot of people poo uh, like poo poo it, but it's like no, th- this is a very difficult craft to, to learn. It's a, it's an art and sport. It's like that Ted Lasso. It's like when art and sport combine. Um, that's right up my alley. So um, yes. Uh, Heath Rinkus is the one who made it very famous. So shout out to Heath. Uh, just kidding. So yeah, go, go USF coach here. We're really looking forward to seeing how they do this weekend. Absolutely. Um, and then switching gears and looking ahead a little bit. Um, we're about at an hour, uh, which is where we said we were going to be, but we're going to keep this show rolling as long as we want. Um, we do have the spring sports coming up here and a, uh, in a little bit, uh, namely, I think men's tennis starts next week or in the next couple of days. And then uh, men's tennis tennis starts, starts tomorrow. You're right. It is tomorrow. I'm behind on my, (laughs) I'm looking at the week behind on my composite Uh, calendar. I apologize. Track and field starts tomorrow. Men's tennis starts on Saturday versus rice. Right. Um, So one thing to note about uh, the men's tennis and women's tennis, and I'm bringing this one up in specific is on the USF master plan, there is um, plans to basically revamp the tennis pavilion and, and really invest the shit into uh, into that program so that they can you know have nice facilities. Um, currently, right now, USF's um, tennis pavilion isn't great. Uh, it looks like your neighborhood or your apartment complex is uh, tennis courts, except it's actually maintained and doesn't have giant cracks down the middle. Um, so, uh, for programs that have competed nationally and have, you know, been, been storied for us for a while, they're finally getting, um, yes, they don't even have lights. Um, uh, they're finally getting the love and affection that they deserve. Um, lights was UConn baseball. Right. Exactly. 
Um, so uh, you, one thing you'll notice about the men's and women's bat, uh, tennis schedule is that there aren't a lot of home games. Uh, there are not a lot of games that they're going to be playing at the USF tennis complex. Uh, I am led to believe that is for a reason. They're probably doing a lot of uh, field work and landscaping and, and trying to make sure that they have the correct uh, you know, setup available uh, for when they actually introduce the master plan to you know, improve the facilities and make it an actual Division One tennis facility. That's exciting. Um, it's very exciting. Almost exciting as this uh, new guest that just popped in. You guys ready? Does Steve even know what I'm talking about? I hope I do. There he is. Colin Sherwin, welcome to the USF Athletics Roundup, the pilot. Hopefully we don't get canceled after one episode. Is he here? Oh, he's trying. He's trying. It's okay. This happens to me every time too with my uh, the audio settings. Don't always want to connect to the correct. Uh... He's yeah, just gonna look pretty just, for us. Streamyard just kind of does its own thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let him roll with. <laughs> uh... He can't hear us. We can talk all the shit that we want. <laughs> um. Yeah, so tennis starts. This is exciting. I um, I'm interested to see. Normally, they they host a bunch of home games, so now this will be very different. Um, I, I I love watching tennis. I know it's very silly. My dad played den- tennis, um, and he taught me. It's a very hard sport to play. It's really great to watch great athletes play it. I think we have them. Did we get howdy? Nice? Howdy! Look at him in the flesh with his new glasses and everything. With my new okay, so here we can we can like do this the right way. So I bought like four pair, right? So like, hold on, I got I got these. Ooh, okay. fashion! Oh my goodness gracious! Is that Fly, man about to? Right. Is that man oh, about to go all yeah. in on twos? <laughs> He's about to go all in on BYU plus six and a half tonight. Uh, and then we got these. Ooh, the smart nerds. daddy over here. For the nerds, that's what we're here for. And we got these. Hold on. Remember, I am blind as a bat, so if I can't see these, then um, there's a reason. Oh, I got these, and I don't know why I got these. I think they were like oh, they look good though. Yeah, yeah um, it was, beautiful it was, man over here, looking nice. So anyway, boys and girls, um, I was just coming to say hi and support um, the twitching of America. Um, it seems like a good thing to be for us to be doing in uh, 2023 to uh, find ways to join in with USF fans that are not just uh, flinging shit at each other on Twitter. And um, (laughs) so I am all on board with this and I am here to help and support in whatever you guys do and choose to take this thing in whatever direction you choose to take it. Um, USF doesn't deserve you. Our school is continuing to um, fail at things like pretty consistently um except for like women's basketball and sailing and and what else and sailing and sailing and sailing we're good at sailing but the tampa side doesn't seem like it's got a lot going on right now that's doing super great um i don't know steve yeah uh, this is about olympic sports right so we're not going to talk about football Nope, we're not talking. And we already, uh, Ron, we already uh, talked about that. Um, I have a certain date schedule or certain date uh, circled on my calendar for a potential uh, change there. Um, oh, there's about 
four more games until we play at Temple in men's basketball on January 25th. Uh, that is the date that I have scheduled that if we are over for the next uh, four games there and include that loss, I think that's where it'll happen. Uh, but again, uh, we're gone. Our, our little tagline uh, is, is we're naively optimistic and we're not going to talk about it unless it happens. But now that you're here, you could say whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. Talk about football if you like. Because <laughs> I don't know, if you, I don't know yeah. if you guys have gotten a memo over the last 20 years. I kind of do that anyway, for better <laughs> or for worse. Sometimes for worse. Um, but uh, I do want to point something out here. Uh, the beloved South Florida Bulls, um, coached by Jose Fernandez, with probably the best post player that we've ever had. Um, Dulcie's preposterous. I mean, she's so good. She's like so ridiculously good, but this is kind of why I jumped on here. I'm looking for the overall rankings right now. Um, and I can't find them. And this is very frustrating. Nice and prepared. The, the, the yeah. USF roundup. So Elena is shooting 44% from three. Sammy is shooting 36% from three. At one point, she was leading the country in three-pointers made and three-pointers taken. I don't know if that is still the case. Um, so this team just plays run fun basketball. They don't lose. They're three and four against the NET top 50. They um, should be uh, four and three because um, they were up 18 at Ohio State. And then the refs went, oh, God, we can't let USF beat number three Ohio State on a neutral four that nobody can watch. And then Bulls literally couldn't get a call down the stretch. Um, I posted a video of the last drive of the game. Elena just goes to the rim, gets mauled. No call. You know, and then, of course, we turned the ball over because she got mauled. And that didn't end up real well. It was straight up football tackle. It was absurd. It was tra- it was and of tra- course, nobody tra- could watch it because it's on Flow Sports, which is like yeah. a $25 a month charge. It's absurd. Yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, all right, here's the full list. So here are the rankings from her hoop stats, um, South Florida is God, I'm so bad at this. Why am I so bad at, you know, it's so fun. Oh yeah. We're number 30. Okay. We're, we're number 30 in the country. We're not going to play another team anywhere close to us in the rest of the season. It's not happening. Like Tulane's okay. Um, but there's nobody else who's close. Um, and they've beaten two top 25 teams already. If they beat Tulane, they'll beat another top 50 team potentially, although they're going to lose a lot of ground because this conference is so bad. So that, that three and four against the top 50 might end up being like two and four against the top 50 instead. And they're, those Tulane games are going to drop out because they're going to play them twice. I just don't see how you can't see this as one of the best 25 teams in the country. In fact, I think there is a chance. You could make the argument that with the exception of maybe Courtney's senior year, that this is probably Jose's best team. And oh. it might even be better than Courtney's senior it, year because they share the ball better. It like really they feels had, like it. Yeah, three, that, three, three players are in top 40 in scoring, and they play three very different games. So if they have to so, – so they can win multiple ways. That's different. That wasn't normally what was going on with uh, these teams. There's always one or two scorers. Now it's three, and then you still have a good bench. And they have changed the way they defend 
Um, they've done a lot of things differently. Of course, as I jump on with you guys, I have BYU plus six and a half and, and Gonzaga goes on a 10, nothing run as soon as I jump on. So fantastic job here. I'm just the, the USF is. jinx. The USF Jeez. jinx even carries over to the Twitch channel, which is beautiful. Crazy That's unfortunate. Um, it is unfortunate, but, um, this team, you know, 30th and overall way, 34th in offense, 21st in defense. You know, this is not USF women's basketball. They're not exactly known for stopping people and they're getting stops now. Um, I think Dulcie's just gives them a, a, a way to be people that nobody else could. Now, if they run into like a, I don't know, South Carolina, who's just has big bodies all over the place, they're going to struggle. You know, if, they, if you catch that team in like the sweet 16 or the elite eight, it's going to be tough. North Carolina state's tough too, because of their size. And remember, this is all regionalized. So they're going to stick all the teams, you know, in one quadrant, even though they really shouldn't. Um, so there are a couple of tough outs for them to like get through, but of all of Jose's teams, just the balance that they have and the way that it's set up, this might be their best chance to get to a final four. And it's not a great chance, but that there's is- a chance that there's a better chance than I've seen. I think any year since Courtney's senior year. And they, uh, they did. So there was uh, two notes on that. They, so they had a, a recent projection come out and they had USF sixth as a six seed. Um, and that, and that Ohio state game is going to cost them the chance to host. Right. Exactly. Which uh, unfortunate, but you know, maybe, maybe some cards fall the right way. Um, but there was a piece on the athletic uh, earlier about how um, there, there's more parity now in women's college basketball yeah. than there has been ever. Like if there is a time where a, a, a non-traditional program is, it can make a run at a championship. It is within the next four to five years. And it, it seems like USF is one of those teams that can really benefit from that parity where, you know, the, the sec is no longer, you know, just going to be run through South Carolina. You know, the big East is not just going to be run through UConn. Um, I'm blanking on the way uh, the stand uh, Pac-12 is not just going to be run through Stanford. Those teams are going to have losses going into the NCAA tournament. Now those teams are going to have weaknesses going into the NCAA tournament. Now we will probably never see an undefeated national champion ever again in women's basketball. Go on. That's tough. First of all, fellas, William Kennedy, I do have one question for you, Colin, as we, as we, as we delve into this, Mm. do you think the not being snubbed from the top 25 is putting a chip on their shoulder to make them have this edge that makes them look elite or does that not even matter? You know, I don't know. I'm more pissed about it than I, than they are. I think, I think it's just like silliness. Um, What do you want them to do? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) <laughs> what else can they do? You know, they, I mean, they have the second what, or third best at a non-conference schedule. Like, or I mean, don't, just, well, don't, do? don't, don't blow an 18 point lead to Ohio, to Ohio state. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't do that. That was bad. Undefeated. But That's like they kind of, and it's hard to convince voters that like, no, really I was there. It was really shitty. Like I, you can't, that's not, it's not really like a valid excuse that, that flies. Um, and then they, the next day, I don't think they played, very well at all. But that, that to me is their most impressive game of the season was that they were, they came out still shell shocked from what happened with Ohio state in the first half. They didn't play very well. I think they were down nine at half and they came back and they beat number 17, Arkansas because they just gritted, they gritted and they grinded and they said, all right, we're not going home. Oh, and two here. We've dropped too many too early this season already that we should have won. And so to get that one, I think was, was really huge. Um, but the losses are, 
to a 22 point loss to a Villanova team that I can't, I can't justify that. That was, you know, I think I, it's a different Villanova. Than we're, yeah. But that wasn't a back to back after losing to Michigan on a neutral site. So run out of gas. Possibly. Um, but also like, this isn't Harry Paredes Villanova. This is a different type of Villanova team. That's not running the old same, you know, Harry, Harry used to get all of his kids. He was the coach at Villanova for like 40 years. And um, he's like a decent chunk of his kids from the high school that I started at. I finished high school in Orlando, but the one I started at in Philadelphia um, used to get all of his kids from there. And they ran the same system for 40 years. And it was, and every time we played them, Jose just torched them (laughs) because it was, it was not, uh, not exactly a progressive way to play basketball, shall we say. Um, <laughs> Harry's a legend, like, you know, college basketball Hall of Famer for sure, but like, just not. I mean, Jose would just come out and torch those teams, just better athletes and, and, a, and a much more up and down and fun system to watch. Um, the, the NC State game hurts, um, but that's just, again, that's a really tough matchup because of the size of NC State and then Ohio State. But then what else do you want them to do? They're going on the road. They're beating people. They're beating people in neutral force. They're they're doing everything that you can reasonably ask a team to do. And I think you know it's not like I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna be ranked with another win over Tulane this week. Like I still don't think they get there. They're, teams in front of them have to start losing. Teams uh, in front of them have to start losing, and they've got to kind of run out. So like if they run out, it'll be thirty-one and four. Um, I don't think there's a huge difference in terms of seeding between like thirty-one and four and like twenty-nine and six. That's you know the. I, mean? I, I think that the crummy thing is you can still get a, a a seed where you're still you know playing the number one number two seed in the second round and that is just what kills them. It's a team that yeah. should be able to go to the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight and it's like they can't. You run into the number you you, you run into the the number one national seed. Well, what are you going to do <laughs> in the second round? So if you're a six right now, okay. Let me let me check out the NET. So the NET is not the best way to decide these things. But, yeah, I was about um, to say the net ranking uh, has USF thirty uh, second. Yeah. Uh, the team that is ranked thirty first is Arkansas, and we then we beat them. You know? lost but them. NET is but you can't pitch about NET. And, and here's yeah. what'll continue to happen because the Arkansas will continue to play an SEC schedule. They're going to climb, and USF is playing in a conference. You know, not that I. I'm sad to see, you know, coach its own, you know, zone is for cowards over up the street leave. But like that team's bad now. We've beaten right. Tulane now, I believe, 20 out of 21 or 21 out of 22 times in a row. It's like, um, it's like 27 out of 28. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's insane. But there's no one else in the league that's competitive. You know, there's not another team that you can like in conference play. So oh. Wizard brings up Tulsa, who's 3-0 in conference, but they're terrible. They're not good. Yeah. I mean, if we lose, if we lose one, it's because it'll be on us most likely. You know, um, right now, if if you were a six seed, you'd get a th- you would play an eleven at somebody else's place, and you would probably win that game. And then you would play a th- the three seeds are Ohio State, who you know you can beat, Oregon, NC State, who you probably don't want to match up with again, but like you showed you can keep it close, and Iowa State. So they, like, beat, they beat Oregon last year. Not that different team, obviously. And it's tougher when you're going to be on their floor, you know, because the other two were were not. But like, you know, and also the NCAA does try to avoid. I believe that is one of the factors I forget in women's basketball, but I, I think like trying to avoid a, a regular season 
So they would probably, you know, under if they were just going straight by the net as their ranking, they would probably play Oregon or or Iowa State. Well, Sabrina's not at Oregon anymore, thank goodness. Um, so but, I, she's uh, she's so good. She's so fun. She's so good. <laughs> like there's oh, just yeah. there's people who who dominate, and then there's Sabrina. Like oh my goodness, incredible. Um, but uh, we are gonna get back on track here. Uh. Because we do need to wrap this up at some point. Because I need to go to bed. Because I have to have to drive my lovely girlfriend to the airport morning uh, tomorrow morning at like four forty-five. So we'll see. Well. We'll see how much sleep I'm able to get here tonight. <laughs> um, but uh, quickly, kind of looking ahead to uh, the upcoming weekend. Um, Vito kind of already alluded to it. Uh, track and field starts tomorrow. Uh, they have the Jimmy Jimmy Karen's Invitational in Gainesville. Uh, so we'll have kind of a stacked cast of a. Uh, track and field teams there and programs. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how they match up. Uh, that's going to be all weekend as well. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, men's tennis kicks off against Rice, like we talked about. Uh, they're playing in Boca Raton. So there's a little tournament happening down there. Uh, women's basketball, that aforementioned matchup against Tulane, uh, happening at home uh, Saturday at 7 p.m. That'll be a great matchup and a good decisive victory, hopefully, uh, to continue climbing those net rankings. Uh, Sunday men's tennis again tournament they're playing UC Santa Barbara and the men's basketball with a uh, probably a, the stinker of the week against uh, ECU uh, that'll be the sickos basketball game of the day I'm probably guaranteeing that that is two very bad teams playing against each other uh, that is in uh, Greenville so uh, a road matchup for them and then finally on, on Monday um, men's tennis wraps up that little Boca Raton tournament with the hosts FAU uh, so we'll get a good uh, look at the new and improved USF uh, men's tennis team this weekend and see if uh, they can make a good run for it. Um, depending on when we do this show, we do have a uh, double header, well, sort of a double header coming up for basketball. Uh, men's basketball has a game against Cincinnati at home uh, on Wednesday. And the same time, women's basketball is on the road against Houston. Um, so again, interesting matchups. Houston's undefeated but below 500 which doesn't make sense uh and cincinnati is a hot and cold team so we'll see what uh, the men's team can do there yeah we'll uh, likely do this again a week from today uh next thursday so we'll be able to talk to all uh, uh round up all of that in the next week um yeah we did mention we'll probably do something in the off season talking volleyball just to get to chat with colin i don't want to put him on the spot about the volleyball team right now uh but we'll talk about that later uh and what we think uh I, I want to see a schedule. I don't. You know, I really. Yeah. Don't. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll wait a little longer and, and uh probably push that a little more to the off season. But it's always good to have Colin on here. I'm really glad that he was able to to talk about that because he mentioned he wanted to uh, talk about women's basketball, especially what they uh, what the rankings are looking like, and uh, it just thinks in a sport like this that you can't at some point you just plateau with who you're playing. Cat came back. Anyway, Steve, take us home. Um, well, there's one more segment that we need to get to, Vito, and this will be a quick little segment, but it's going to be our uh, our crowning uh, headliner show piece here. Uh, it's a little segment we like to call uh, Fellas in the Bellows of the Week. Colin, surprise. Um, so every week, uh, you know, to, to especially highlight our student athletes here at the University of South Florida Olympic Sports, uh, we want to at least highlight uh, the fellow of the week. So, you know, your, your men's top performer. Um, 
and your uh, Bella of the week, your your women's top for, uh, performer. Um, and uh, because obviously we had a, an entire yeah, seasons of sports happening prior to this, uh, we want to make sure that we uh, you know properly give credit where credit is due. Um, so with that being said, Vito, who is your fella of the fall sports season? Could be uh, any of those lovely sports that uh, happen, men's soccer, women's, or uh, men's soccer, cross country. I have our Iron Man from men's soccer. Uh, <laughs> I got rid of the thing. Uh, uh, defenseman Sal Mazzioni. Am I said that name wrong? That's it. Uh, who's, yep, you're good. who's now drafted as a member of Austin FC, uh, who played nearly every minute of possible game action for men's soccer this year um, and is now playing professionally. And shout out to my uh, friends who have an Austin FC podcast. So uh, I will tell them to watch out for our Iron Man Sal, but he is my fellow of the fall. Uh, quite the niche podcast coming from another niche podcast. Um <laughs> But of course, uh, the Bella, the Bella of the fall sports season, I think, is with no contest or with no contest or anything like that. Uh, Kiara Han uh, was just absolutely Colin looked surprised with that one. Uh, <laughs> Kiara Han was a was an absolute workhorse for uh, USF women's soccer. Although they had a down season, um, she was lights out the entire time. United Soccer's uh, all region team member as a midfielder, uh, well deserved, and she should be the new uh, star of the program going forward. Colin, putting you on the spot. Anyone you want to call out or, or mention by name here? Uh, are we do winter sport athletes count? Depends which sport, but go ahead. Uh, Dulcie's the best post player that's ever played at USF. It's not close. Ooh, um, yeah. That, I mean, and, and, just, and Betty just uh, graduated last year. And and Betty, like, and I even said that, like, Betty was unbelievable. Like the ability to find, you know, a post like that, you know, uh, it's just a testament to how you, but, but Dulcie's better. She's just better. Her, her footwork is unbelievable. Defensively, she's improved so much, but if you run, you know, two game, you know, any kind of high pick and roll with her, or they run a lot of that Spain action with her and, and Sammy as the, the back picker, um, when they run that, that's just lethal. It's just, it's so, I mean, it's so bad. She can, she can, she can shoot from 15 feet. She's got all the moves in the post. She's uh, amazing. And so um, I just wish she could play one more year. That would be my goal because man, you put her on this team, like give her, find a way to get her one more year and this team, the holy crap. Find a way. Um, but yeah, find a way. Come on, compliance. Excellent. Find a way. <laughs> Bring it on. Yep. Totally, totally cool. in the tank for one team here, obviously. So. <laughs> all of it um well thank you uh Colin, for hopping on here and, uh, and giving us some wonderful insight we'll definitely have you back on for uh volleyball talks here in the future um yeah uh usf hockey is playing ucf on the 21st uh they're giving away cowbells uh that's gonna be chaotic oh god <laughs> don't know if that's gonna be the best idea in the world those that, things are gonna that, end up on the ice that sounds incredible <laughs> <laughs> that sounds incredible, but uh, go go, our, go, fellas from USF Hockey. We love yes. those guys, too. Um, but uh, we're at an hour and 23 minutes for the first show. I hope in the future they're going to be a little bit shorter. Um, but my, yeah, for, yeah, seriously, from myself, from Anthony Vito, from Colin Sherwin, 
This is the USF Athletics Roundup. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Go Bulls.